Hello, members, friends, and neighbors of Peace Lutheran Church in beautiful downtown Puyallup, Washington, to episode 26 of Together in the Word and on Pioneer and Third, which is our congregation's podcast that we started in the time of COVID-19. I always know how many weeks it's been since we were separated as a church because it's the number of episodes we have. So we've been apart as a congregation, at least physically, for 26 weeks. Um, And yet I am privileged each week to get a chance to speak to a member of our congregation or our community or our church. Uh, And this week, I'm privileged to have Becky Von Waldy. (laughs) Welcome, Becky. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Would you be willing to, most most of the folks at Peace know you well and love you already, but uh, if you'd be willing to let us know a little bit about your life, especially what's been going on for you recently. Of course, yeah. So... I'm what Jenny Moore lovingly refers to as a marinated Lutheran. I was essentially born into Peace Lutheran Church. I was baptized, went through confirmation here, have been a member for essentially 22 years of my life, and really have been privileged to call the members of this church my family. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any uncles, aunts, My grandparents, no one was close by growing up. They were all in the closest state was Minnesota that they were all from. And so I was able to each Sunday come and be greeted by people who became my honorary aunts and uncles and grandparents. And to this day, still being able to have those relationships with them is really meaningful and has been awesome. I was able to really find my footing in this church in terms of leadership roles at the age of 16 I was nominated to your call committee and was able to get to know members of our congregation in a different way I mean we spent every single week together for almost a year our little group and really as a 16 year old being put in that position I didn't know what I was getting into one Mm. and then I was quickly nominated to council shortly after that so I was trying to juggle Uh call committee council being in high school. Funny how that works. Right? Um, But I really attribute those times to, one, my time management skills now, and two, just being able to find my voice, being the youngest amongst, you know, not only an older congregation, but an older group of people, and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to be heard, but be respectful, and really learn a lot of valuable skills. And shortly after... All of that, graduated high school, and then I went to PLU. Go Lutes. Yep, so continued on with the Lutheran tradition there, and got my degree in nursing, which I officially graduated this last May, my degree in nursing, as I just said, (laughs) Um, and then started the long few months struggle of trying to find a job Mm -hmm. during a global pandemic, Yeah. which you would think going into the medical field you would find a job quite easily but it actually was quite a struggle yeah and I know for a lot of my colleagues and friends they've really struggled Mm -hmm. the biggest thing being reevaluating the specialty that you thought that you were called to interesting so for myself I never found a place in the hospital that I thought of as my home somewhere where I wanted to pursue my career Mm. in And my last round of clinicals, I was in the emergency department, Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed the fast-paced environment, getting to see a variety of patients, Mm -hmm. 
but I only got five or six shifts there before COVID oh, shoot. pulled us out. Yeah. And so I never really got to find out if that was where uh-huh. I wanted to be. Yeah. But it was the most recent place that I had been, and I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so those are the jobs that I started pursuing. Mm-hmm. And most new nurses now go into residency programs, and so hospitals will kind of walk you through your first year as a nurse a little bit more. You mm-hmm. get paired with a more senior nurse. Mm-hmm. You go through classes and different programming that they put together for you. And so those are the residencies I was applying for, was yeah. ER residencies. And I had quite a few interviews, some that I thought went really well, and mm-hmm. I could see myself working there. Others where the vibe just wasn't there between me and the managers, and I knew that the opportunity probably was not going to be pursued on either end. And then, right the day before I officially graduated nursing school, I got my first major rejection from, it was the place I'd done my final clinical, it's where I honestly thought I was going to work, was going to start my nursing career, I knew all the nurses, I was probably a little bit overconfident as to, like, that was where I was going to be. Well, you had a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And had to quickly reevaluate my plan. And so after that, I applied to a few other jobs, but nothing really seemed right. Hmm. And I decided to take some time and focus on passing my boards. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe the next round of residencies that start in the fall... Maybe I'll get into one of those ER residencies, just yeah. take some time, get my license, yeah. which was really a challenge because a lot of my friends had found mm-hmm. jobs Ugh. and they found places that they were excited about. Mm-hmm. And so it was that struggle of being happy for them as they're yeah. moving on mm-hmm. and trying not to throw a pity party for yourself Uh huh. Yep. on top of being secluded from everyone because... Yeah. Oh, that's a tough time. Pandemic. So it was... It was quite the emotional struggle I won't I won't lie about that but um it was actually to come full circle here one of my closest friends growing up who I met here at Peace Lutheran Rebecca Mm. Togstead she works at a local hematology oncology clinic Mm. and they were hiring COVID door screeners okay so the people that screening when you come in take your temperature Mm -hmm. and I thought you know what that would be a good part-time job Mm -hmm. To get me through until I apply for my next round of nursing mm-hmm. jobs and so I had applied and a couple days later it was actually the nursing manager that got back to me and said you know what if you really want to be a COVID screener we're happy to send you on that path but we're hiring for RNs for nurses if you would be interested in interviewing Wow and I had to take a minute yeah <laughs> because that was not that all the path that I right. thought I was going down. Oh, it's totally new information. Totally new. Yeah. Yep. One, it was a clinic. I didn't really think clinics hired new nurses. Okay. Two, it was oncology. So as a lot of members of Peace know, when I was 15, I lost mm-hmm. one of my best friends from brain cancer. And mm-hmm. Even though that was the catalyst for me wanting to pursue a nursing career, yep. I had that moment vowed I was not going to do huh. oncology. I did not want... The emotions were too fresh. Yep. yep. And hits too close to home. It was yeah, it hit yep. too close to home and it yep. wasn't something that I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That is when I also feel like God was up there kind of hmm. snickering me behind hmm. his hand going, actually <laughs> I think 
I have something different in store for you. Interesting. Which I don't think I've ever really had a moment in my life where I felt a door mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. until this opportunity. Wow. So I'm going into this is my sixth week at this oncology clinic and I absolutely love it. Wow. It's literally everything that I could have wanted from a job. Oh, that is my favorite COVID story <laughs> so far. Yeah. Let it be known. Uh, no offense to my previous guests. But that is my absolute favorite COVID story. Wow, that is a really powerful story. Thanks for sharing that. Really vulnerable, too. I mean, that transition from post-secondary education into your first career is just really tender. Mm -hmm. Especially at a time like this. Especially if you're going into healthcare. Yeah. Wow. Well, I commend you for riding it out. and And uh, I'm sorry for your struggle. I'm super glad for where you landed. Me, too. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm glad you t- you felt free to tell us that story. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, and it's it's really a great place. I am able to form connections and relationships with the patients that you yeah. don't get to form in the hospital because yeah. you don't have enough time. That's right. To do that, and now I see the same, mostly the same group of people every few weeks, and I get to ask them about their kids and their grandkids, and oh man, that's amazing. Learn things from them, and it really truly is. Oh, phenomenal. Oh, I'm really happy for you. That's great. Thank you. Um, well, so you've already spoken really powerfully to the way that COVID has kind of impacted you, mm-hmm. at least indirectly, sort of directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder though, in a, I've been asking my guests two questions about COVID and apart from your vocational journey and mm-hmm. beginning of your vocational journey here, the first question I want to know is sort of a personal one. How have you been doing otherwise, just with the with the immense amount of pressure that everybody's mm-hmm. under and the seclusion and, you know, the uncertainty around it? How have you been coping? Apart from being really busy at your new job. Yeah, my new job, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, taking it all the way back to March when yeah. this all started yeah. is I felt lost. Sure. I had... I mean, most people know I'm a planner. You probably might have caught on to some of that as I have my thought I had my plan for how things were going to go. Mm-hmm. Had my plan for how I thought my last semester was going to go academically, yeah. Yeah. clinically, yeah. and socially. You know, sure. with my friends, this is our last chance yeah. together before everyone went their own separate ways. And so I definitely spent the first month in denial mm. that things, you know, this will we'll move on. Things will... And then that quickly turned into mourning yeah. and grieving what I thought I was going to yeah, have. Absolutely. But also trying not to be too selfish about it. We're in the middle of you know, a pandemic. People are dying. Yeah. People are very ill. And I was fortunate enough that no one that I knew closely had been impacted, at least not to that extent. I had some friends that had tested positive and were sick, but no one had passed away or anything like that. No life-threatening situations. Yeah, no life-threatening yeah. situations yeah. as a result. And trying to balance those mm-hmm. emotions because I do think that I needed time to process and be okay being upset. Of course. That, I mean, I worked for four years to no get my kidding. degree. Yeah. And I don't get a graduation ceremony. As I mundane know. as that might sound. Oh, that's not mundane at all. No, I grieved for our 2020 graduates, you yeah. included, Becky. I, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of remember the whole post-year graduation photo for the 2020 grads, and mm-hmm. I kind of thought, 
maybe let's not rub it in their faces. I don't know. <laughs> like, I understood that it was well-meaning, but it was yeah. kind of like, no, this is an event that these people aren't going to get to participate in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's not, like, let's not, like, make it worse by yeah. accidentally showing off our own graduation right? photos. No offense to anyone who did that. I know it was well-meaning, but, but yeah, no, that's not a mundane experience at all. Graduating from college is a huge deal, and you didn't get to do that. Yeah, and I mean, even my younger brother didn't get to have right. his high school graduation, and right. another layer for us on that is all of our family was supposed to come right. out, so we haven't seen in years, right. and, you know, my grandparents and things like that, and yeah. so just kind of a lot of different emotions swirling around our, totally. our household, yeah. and being all confined together again I was used to being go 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 I wasn't home sure for more than maybe a day yep you no know, I'd come home to sleep of course but I wasn't necessarily around mm-hmm. and so then having a shift in the dynamic of our yep. home life as well of everyone being at home all of the time butting heads with your brother again yeah <laughs> exactly continuing <laughs> butting heads with my dad you know <laughs> yeah and so we definitely we struggled for I, as, as sure. everyone yeah. kind of did, and I definitely yeah. struggled and had to kind of reevaluate my coping mm-hmm. yeah. mechanisms and how I wanted to look back on that mm-hmm. time. And I think, kind of from my vocational story too, of it being a time of growth, I think personally it was yeah. as well, being able to evaluate different relationships yeah. and look at what is you know, quote-unquote toxic and what is actually stimulating and providing growth and Mm -hmm. things along those lines. And so I really threw myself into my own health and well-being physically and and mentally and really looking at different books for personal development. And I started working out. I'm starting CrossFit. Yeah. So just doing different things to challenge my body and mind. I think maybe as a way to distract from... Sure. The situation, but also to get that anxiety out mm-hmm. and really turn it into something more positive. Good for you. Uh, we also got bunnies. Oh, that'll do. As a way to uh, <laughs> cope with our our uh, everything going on. Yep. But we're allergic to cats and dogs. Okay. So getting and no one really wanted a puppy. Sure. Puppies are a lot of work, especially yep. with Matthew just left for college. Yep. Cats are, you know. We're allergic, so having yep. that around wasn't yep. not an <laughs> option. option. So we got bunnies. Good for you. Which, they're a lot of work. So if you're thinking about getting a bunny, do way more research than we did. Got it. Okay. How many bunnies? We have two. Okay. Yeah. We have three new chicks. Oh. COVID chicks. Not COVID bunnies, but COVID, COVID chicks. <laughs> also more work than you would think. Mm-hmm. So be warned, those who are aspiring to do COVID pets, be warned. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I, I really, um, I admire your self-awareness. I think one of the things that um, this time has really forced on us is some self-reflection, mm-hmm. some self-evaluation, some um, kind of looking hard in the mirror to determine what's healthy in my life and what's maybe not. And do I really want to be the kind of person who wakes up every single day and feels cynical about the world mm-hmm. and resentful about COVID? Because I certainly could allow myself to slide mm-hmm. into that. Uh, is that really what I want from this time, or do I want to do I want to find a way to kind of emerge from that? Even even after I've given myself a chance to mourn, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, and I, and I uh, commend you also for for acknowledging your own need for for grief and to go yeah. through grief, but then also to to emerge from that and and decide what are you going to do to kind of take care of yourself mm-hmm. in the meantime. Good for you. Um, yeah. That's really good. Really good advice, or or I suppose a really good uh, testimony to. Mm-hmm. 
to, for others to hear. Thanks. Um, the second question I've been asking people is kind of bigger picture, kind of philosophical question about COVID, which is that a crisis can either bring out kind of the best in societies or the worst or maybe both. If we were to imagine that at the end of all of this, when we're through it, whenever that happens, whatever that looks like, if it were to bring the best out of us in one way or another, and you could dictate that, mm -hmm. what would that vision look like for you? For me, that would look like having better planning mm. in place mm. on a variety of different levels. Sure. One of the things we actually talked about in my last nursing classes, which revolved around healthcare policy, interesting enough, is that most of That's health, relevant. Right? It was, it was quite coincidental. But uh, one of the big topics was that throughout history, and our textbook was written five plus years ago, Sure. policy has been developed retrospectively. Uh-huh. We don't disaster plan well. And their big example had been Hurricane Katrina. Sure. And how it wasn't until after that that a lot of health systems looked at how they needed to plan for an actual disaster huh. and have different things in place. And one of the big things being staffing, how are you gonna get your staff there? How are you going mm. to keep your staff safe while they're on site, make sure that they are getting sleep and food yep. and things along those lines if they can't go home. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very relevant, very relevant to the yep. COVID situation. Absolutely. Foremost being our PPE yep. issue. That is still... Still an issue, right? Still an issue. Yeah. Um, we were issued a limited number of N95s that we are supposed to rotate. Yep. For... You mean at the clinic? At our clinic. For yeah. whoever knows how long. Oh, shoot. And those are meant to be worn once with your one patient. Yep. And then thrown away. Yep. And we're wearing them... I mean, the nurses have been wearing them for months. Rotating shoot. them in and out. Yeah. And so, things along those lines yep. how do we better prepare to keep our staff safe yep. because our biggest fear because we work with cancer patients mm -hmm. some of the most immunocompromised out there that's right we're killing their immune systems essentially right. yep. is us giving one of them oh COVID it's a nightmare or right. anything i mean yep. anything really but yeah that just at the back of your yep. mind constantly yep. and the fact that we don't always feel like we're best prepared and sure. equipped and how we are even dressing at work yep. to give the best patient care, I think really yeah. is weighing on healthcare providers across the entire, sure. entire country. So I would really like to see us coming out of this with better plans in place. And you can't always plan for everything, granted, but how do we have better stores of these things? How do yep. we better plan for a big issue at work right now is with school starting back up. Yep. With the, especially working in the clinic, these nurses working yep. eight to five. Yep. What are, what are they supposed kids? to do with their kids? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them, their kids are going to daycare. Uh huh. And things like that. And they're like, which well, means they're at greater risk. Yeah. How yep. is that better than them being at school? Some yep. of them. So it's yep. really a struggle yep. on that front. So I would like to see that we come out of this. Yep. With more of a planning mindset. Yep. Good. I love that. I'm, I'm really thankful for your testimony on that front too because you are on the front lines right like mm -hmm. you're you're able to speak from a from a really personal standpoint so I appreciate that yeah I mean I know that's been one of the big questions you're like how do we how do we miss this so bad right yeah. how did we you know now looking back on it, it seems obvious yeah we should have had we should have had better better uh, PPE mm -hmm. provision we should have had better testing more quickly etc cetera, etc cetera. like 
everything needed to move more quickly and we just weren't mm-hmm. in, in a position to do that. Yeah. I love it. A planner says we need more planning. <laughs> yeah. Good. True to, true to yourself. I yes. like it. Thanks, Becky, for sharing some of your thoughts about our time, this strange time, unprecedented time that we're living in now. Um, you know, one of the things that we've gotten to do that's been a, a really fun on the podcast is to take a look at the upcoming gospel story and get a chance to hear your thoughts about that too for this Sunday. So I'll read the gospel for this Sunday and then we'll have some conversation around the questions that we use in Bible study at peace. And I'll, and I'll remind everyone of those questions when I'm done. Okay. So the gospel for this Sunday is from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35, Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Praise to you, O Christ. Uh, okay, this is a hard one. Yeah. Uh, maybe kind of seems straightforward, but also kind of deeply troubling at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, <laughs> so the questions that we use at Peace to study the Bible are simple, and they're meant to crack open our conversation, not to restrain us, but they're maybe helpful, helpful places to get started. The first question is, Simply, what do you notice? You've probably heard this story a hundred times in your life. This time around, what's a word or an image or a phrase that stands out to you? Mm-hmm. Second question is, what questions do you have? Maybe there's something that troubles you. There's certainly something that troubles me. Uh, maybe there's a, something you don't understand. Any question is a good question, and we don't even have to have an answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll lead us maybe to a better question. The final question we ask to study the Bible is, what will you take for today? If the word is meant to become flesh and live with us, how is the word becoming flesh for you today? Mm-hmm. Maybe let's start with that simplest question, the first one. Yeah. 
This time, Becky, what stood out to you hearing this story again? The word forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That stood out to me. Yeah. And then, of course, the word mercy. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, that's the heart of this yeah. story. There's a lot of complexity to it, and Jesus' parables are super memorable for lots <laughs> of different reasons. Uh, but yeah, this notion of, of mercy is right at the heart of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or And also kind of like the lack of mercy, right? Yeah, um, yeah mercy and forgiveness, certainly at the heart of it. Uh, forgiveness, of course, struck my uh, ear too, uh, especially in light of Peter's question about how much is too much forgiveness, right? Like, how many times should I forgive is really another way of saying, when can I stop forgiving, yeah. right? Like, how many times, like, when can I finally be, you know, fed up and, and say, no, forget that, I'm not forgiving you. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly, yeah, the nature of forgiveness and the power of forgiveness and the command to forgive, all all at the heart. Yeah, me too. I, you know, gosh, I also noticed, it was really stood out to me this time, the king pulling the switcheroo on mm-hmm. on the servant, on the slave, the first slave, um, and it's interesting. I noticed that Jesus' command is to forgive perpetually, mm-hmm. but then the king in the story actually doesn't forgive perpetually. He just forgives the one time and then takes it back. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to tell the story, given the lesson that we're supposed to be drawing from it. That mm-hmm. struck me this time around too. Okay, questions. What questions <laughs> do you have for this text? A lot. Yeah. Of questions. I think one of the biggest things that stands out to me is, I mean, I understand what we're supposed to be pulling uh-huh. from it. And yes. as you kind of touched on the way that it was delivered, yep. can be complex and yep. confusing. Uh-huh. Is this supposed to be relatable amongst us as humans? Uh, or are we looking at the dynamic between us and God? Ah, uh, Yes. Great question. Is this about God's relationship to humankind mm-hmm. or and about our relationships with each other mm-hmm. or both? Yeah. Good question. What do you think? Do you have an answer to that? I can definitely see both, but almost in looking at it as a relationship between God and humankind, mm-hmm. it makes him out to be not a nice Ooh, yeah, yikes. What's the deal with this king? Yeah. If he's supposed to be the, if God is the king in this story, Mm -hmm. then it almost touches on that idea of grace being taken away then. Right. You don't do what I wanted you to do and continue to forgive others, then I take away something from you. You know what? You sound like a Lutheran. (laughs) Uh, it really bothers me, too, that the king revokes the mercy, mm-hmm. right, in the end. Uh, obviously, so, okay, so it's super obscene what the first slave does, right? Like, the the debt that the... It's interesting, by the way, if you notice, the slave, when he pleads with the king, doesn't actually plead for the king to forgive the debt. He mm-hmm. pleads the king pleads for the king to be patient and give him more time to pay. He says, give me some time, be patient, and I'll pay you back. But actually, the amount that he owes is impossible to pay back. It is such a ridiculously high amount. 10,000 talents is more money than any slave could ever accumulate. So it's this is definitely hyperbole here, mm-hmm. in the, which is, I think, important for us to remember when we think about the punishment at the end, too, which is also hyperbole, not meant to be taken literally. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like, the king forgives this ridiculous debt, even though the slave didn't even ask for for the debt to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. That's, first of all, like, totally absurd mercy to begin with. But then also kind of absurd punishment at the end. Uh, Not only is the debt reinstated, but he's now thrown in prison and tortured on top of that Mm -hmm. until he can repay the debt. Which, by the way... We've known for a long time that debt slavery doesn't work, yeah. right? Like, you can't imprison people and expect them to pay a debt because they can't work to pay it off. Yeah. So it's this horribly unjust kind of situation on all counts at the end. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, wait a minute, that's a U-turn from the original, <laughs> from the original part, you know, first part of the story. Um, does that mean God can revoke God's grace? As Lutherans, we would say no. I mean, yeah. we know that God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That's that's sort of God's character is grace, mm-hmm. mercy, steadfast love. Um, we Of course, we acknowledge that God reserves the right to judge, but we also say that the judgment is merciful, thanks be to God, right? Mm-hmm. So does this seem to suggest that God could revoke that? Or is is it maybe just Jesus' super memorable way to make a point? Yeah. Um, what, one of the things that, one of the questions that I have is like, how does this story about forgiveness relate to other parts of Matthew that deal with forgiveness? Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the obvious connections is the Lord's prayer. And in Matthew, Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer and he does say, forgive us our debts Mm -hmm. as we forgive those who are indebted to us. So that's the same pattern. God forgives the debtor, right? The person, the sinner. And then the sinner forgives other sinners, right? The people who are indebted to us. It's the same pattern. But, like, again, there's no threat of punishment there. That's a that's a prayer for God to act in our lives graciously. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, at the Last Supper, Jesus offers the cup of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sin. And only in Matthew does he use that language. This is for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And there's no stipulation there. It's not like... Well, I'm offering my body and my blood for you for the forgiveness of sin. If you go forgive everyone else. And these, of course, are the guys sitting around the table who are about to deny and abandon him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and betray him. So he's offering it to the, the villains. I mean, these are the, right now, these are going to be the guys who fall short and, and actually end up causing his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he would offer it to them first is sort of this breathtaking, gracious thing, right? And there's, again, there's no, like, there's no, like, asterisk, like, Aha, but, you know, if you don't follow through, I'm going to take it back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, does this, does this like, tell one part of the story of forgiveness, and then there's other parts of the story that are also important? I think so. I think we have to read it in light of the whole gospel, especially yeah. when we take into consideration the troubling parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my question, another question I have for this text is, like, is the king supposed to be God? Because he seems like a tyrant, kind of. Yeah kind of capricious like sure i'll forgive that debt wait a minute no you've dishonored me come back here i'm going to torture you mm-hmm. i mean that doesn't sound like a god i want to pray to no. um, or the god that frankly the god that we see in jesus yeah. so i don't know i try to remember that jesus is a master teacher and here we are two thousand years later still talking about his lesson yeah because it catches our attention for one reason or another mm-hmm. so i don't know i i generations of interpreters have been troubled by these things Mm -hmm. too so like if we came up with like a great answer then we should write a book oh yes okay great deal all right perfect um is there anything else that bothers you or any other questions you have about this you said you had a lot but i won't i won't put you on the spot on the spot one thing that stands out to me and it's kind of these words have come up in our conversation yeah is the difference between grace 
and mercy. Yeah. Because I think sometimes they end up going, becoming interchangeable when mm-hmm. they're not. Okay. I don't think they truly are interchangeable. Great. Words. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting in the, in the passage in Joel, gracious and merciful mm-hmm. and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast. So grace and mercy must not be exactly the same thing. Yeah. So what would you say is the difference between grace and mercy? That is a fabulous question. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I think of grace, I, I almost feel like I kind of have interchanged them in my own sure. mind yeah. at some point. I think give myself grace I almost think not to forgive myself Mm -hmm. necessarily but to be okay Mm -hmm. almost with what is going on Mm -hmm. and to not necessarily condone bad behavior or anything like Mm -hmm. that but to take that grow from it, learn from it. To care for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's for sure. That's how I see yeah, yeah. more grace. Or I guess mercy, I do attribute more to forgiveness. Yeah. And being... Like a more concrete act of... Yes. Like, offering clemency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I love that. So, if, if yeah, when I think of grace, I, I, I guess I think of grace and mercy both being kind of attributes of God's character. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to draw a distinction... Mercy feels like the more specific willingness to relent from punishment on the one hand mm-hmm. or uh like rescue from suffering like to if if someone was shows mercy to someone it's like they're rescuing them yeah, okay. from like a specific example of of suffering or like potential suffering mm-hmm. and punishment grace is sort of more like the just sheer givenness the like goodness of God that sort of emanates the, the the just the notion that God wants to shower us with love and care um, so like if if I think of God, the, the metaphor one of the primary metaphors for God is is the heavenly parent right the loving parent if a parent is merciful it means they relent from punishing their child in a specific instance if they're gracious, it just means they love them no matter what. Yeah. And that it like that's going to inform everything they do. I don't know. Maybe we're just spitballing <laughs> here. But I think you put your finger on something important. What, you know, what, what are the attributes of God and how are they distinguishable? Mm-hmm. That's good. I love it. So is this an instance of God being more gracious or merciful hmm. in this story? Well, I don't know if he's really very gracious. Well, the king certainly isn't. Yeah, not the at the king, end. The king is not. Yeah. The merciful part starts out more merciful. Yeah, that's right. Than, yeah. Than he necessarily ends. I almost wonder if this, instead of it being the king is God, hmm. if the king is somehow us hmm. in terms of I, I, like a part of us, and how yes. sometimes we will go about forgiving. Hmm things but then we hold on to other things oh interesting oh i love that something along those lines that's really complex but i love it so there are ways in which the king might reflect the nature of god but the king certainly is very human in the way that Mm -hmm. he reverts to this sort of human vindictiveness no question oh i love that yeah i've never thought of myself in the place of the king but have i ever wanted to revoke 
forgiveness for someone sure i suppose i have i've been felt gracious one day and then the next day like nope never mind i take it back oh that's good i love it beautiful what about that last question um with all the complexity in this text and the difficulties i mean what do you take from this passage for your own life what's a way that it touches you in this moment the big thing standing out to me especially in light of where we are at as a society mm-hmm. is forgiveness mm-hmm. and especially talking about how I felt we weren't prepared yep. and we're not planning but also forgiving that that mm-hmm. happened yep. let's forgive let's learn mm-hmm. let's do better that's all really yeah. we can do and forgiving ourselves during this time mm-hmm. and being gracious with ourselves and others as we are all truly struggling in our own ways yeah, as our worlds have been turned upside down yep. especially this past week things just sure. you know with how how it's all going is yep. to really forgive mm-hmm. at the end of Good. the day <laughs> I love that well that certainly is um, Jesus's point I mean I think it's really helpful that we remember that this is not advice given to individuals mm-hmm. right like the context is the community of faith mm-hmm. Peter says if another member of the church sins against me how often should I forgive? So it's, it's, at first it might be about Peter's question, but really it's a question about like, how do we all treat each other on an ongoing basis? Yeah. Right. So forgiveness in an individual instance looks a little bit different than like an ongoing like posture of forgiveness, yeah. which facilitates the community's future. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's one of my favorite, um, descriptions of, of, Forgiveness comes from Desmond Tutu, who was the chairman of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee in South Africa, or commission, in South Africa post-apartheid. And, I mean, he's just really clear about forgiveness as, like, self-interest. He says, without forgiveness, there's no future. Yeah. So if you want to have a future, uh, if you want to have a future that's unchained from your perpetrator, mm-hmm. forgiveness is the, is the way to go about that. You, you actually release yourself, even as you release the person who has caused you harm or pain. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of what I'm taking from it right now is for as hard as forgiveness is, and that's the one another thing that frankly bothers me a little bit about this is that Jesus issues the command, uh, but he never kind of implies how hard it really is yeah. on an individual basis to forgive, especially when you've been deeply, deeply hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're part of a community like in South Africa, for instance, mm-hmm. where your whole community has experienced this collective trauma. Uh, it's really hard to forgive. And really, it's a gift of grace to forgive, I would say. Yeah. But he says if you can find it in your heart, if you can find it in yourself to forgive, you won't live a future chained to your perpetrator anymore. That's a really powerful, kind of liberating way to think about it. Yeah. That's really what's what's standing out to me. Even, even though this is a strange way to get about, <laughs> you know, saying that, and, and a, obviously a very memorable one, uh, I think that's maybe his point in this teaching is that 77 times or seven times 70 times 490 times you should forgive depending on which translation you go with uh the point being stop counting peter Mm -hmm. like don't calculate forgiveness forgiveness has to be an ongoing sort of an ongoing gift that god cultivates in the community Mm -hmm. for the sake of continuing to be in relationship with each other in the first place otherwise south africa falls apart right in in civil war or whatever um so yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's much easier said than done, I guess, is what I'm taking, but also incredibly important. Yeah. So thank you. Wow, what a privilege to get a chance to talk to you, Becky. Thanks again for telling us your story about this 
really unique time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thankful for the people of peace who've been your <laughs> surrogate aunts and uncles and grandparents throughout your life. And um, I ho- I'm grateful for all of your leadership uh, in the church up to this point. Thankful for your continued participation with us and wish you nothing but the best as you continue settling into your new career. Thank you. Thanks for your insights and your time. And thank you all for listening to episode 26 of Together in the Word on Pioneer and 3rd. Until next week.